Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. Brenna Harding is an actor, board member of Wear It Purple, and founder of Moonlight Feminist. She's performed in theatre productions around the country, but is best known for her role in Puberty Blues. You might have also seen her in Secret City, The Code, My Place, Packed the Rafters, A Place to Call Home, and Netflix's Black Mirror, which was directed by Jodie Foster. In 2012, Brenna won the Logie for Most Popular New Female Talent, and in 2014 received the Mari Bashir Peace Prize for her contribution to social justice. Brenna performed this story at Queer Spawn, a queer families-themed event I hosted for Midsummer 2020. Hi, everyone. (laughs) For most of my life, the thing that I've wanted most is a little sister. The preschool teachers told mum it was a phase, that she should get me a baby doll to sate my obsession. I lugged my baby doll everywhere. I named her, dressed her, slept beside her... And it wasn't until one day when we drove past the hospital where I was born that the plan unraveled. I started crying, and when mum asked me why, I told her it was because my baby born didn't grow. The whole lesbian mother's thing made the chances of an accidental sibling incredibly slim. (laughs) My mothers were unlikely to have one glass too many, find a donor, draft an agreement, wait three months for HIV testing, and (laughs) self-inseminate. So (laughs) I knew I had to take matters into my own hands. So, what began, must, what must have been the most exasperating decade-long campaign. The backbone of the strategy was, in its simplest form, asking. I would do this in many different circumstances and ways. I understood how to make the piece de resistance of any fights or arguments the fact that my parents had denied me what I believed to be a basic human right. <laughs> I got creative with my approach. When I was eight, we were introduced to collage, and I decided it would get the message across if I covered my ornamental collage box with various baby faces. I gifted my mother this box for her birthday, activating the unspoken parents must love their child's art clause for the purposes of my mission. And I wasn't just relying on the power of persuasion either. I needed all the outside help I could get. So every single birthday, four-leaf clover and shooting star wish was the same. I wish for a little sister. One December... I realised what I had to do. It dawned on me that to truly convince my parents of my commitment to siblinghood, it would take the most self-sacrificial act I could think of. That Christmas, I handed over my list for Santa, and the only thing on it was, number one, a little sister. (laughs) I have a vague recollection of later drafting up an extra list, just because, you know, babies take a long time to grow, and it'd be silly to miss out on an iPod Nano in the interim. (laughs) The final stage of the campaign, though, came on our European holiday when I was 12. I don't know at what point I decided that the winding canals of Venice were the ideal backdrop for me to start the final aggressive push, but it was clear to my young mind that if I really wanted someone to do something, I should go about ruining their one big annual break. (laughs) 
I adopted a persona that had all the gloom of Eeyore, cynicism of Daria, and general unpredictability of a toddler. On one of the final days of our holiday, we were in beautiful seaside Cinque Terre, and not seeing any positive results from my endless nagging, I felt hopeless. My parents were just annoyed and wanted at least one nice moment. The questioning and gloominess had surpassed being a performance, and now all that was left was my genuine sadness that I would never be a sister. I locked myself in my tiny room with only a magazine-sized window, and for the final days of our holiday, read a left-behind copy of James Patterson's murder mystery, Seventh Heaven. <laughs> I gave up my mission after that holiday. The next year, I started high school and conceded it was too late now. I had missed my opportunity to convince my parents of my commitment to the cause. One of my best mates came to school one day and told me her parents had accidentally fallen pregnant and after 13 years of only childdom, she was getting a little sister. I wanted to be happy for her, but when I got home, I just cried. I had been playing French horn since year five. It had been my last choice, but Miss Kathy Chan had needed one, and that's how I was landed with the most awkwardly shaped and uncool instrument in the band. My lessons were at Kathy's house. She, her partner Lee, and their son Ben also lived in Earlwood, nicknamed Girlwood for the growing number of lesbians. When Kathy told me she was pregnant with a little girl, I suddenly found my passion for the French horn. I came to my once a week lesson freshly excited and would diligently work through my scales until the clock ticked over and I would double check again when she was due, counting down the days. On August 10th, Kylie was born. When we visited her in the hospital, I sat holding her, her newborn eyes blinking slowly at me. I memorized the tininess of her face and the milia across her nose and fell utterly in love. From then on, I would come at 5.30 for my half-hour lesson and stay until the kids went to bed. After a few months, Kathy finally let me off the hook, saying, you know, Bren, if you want to just come play with the kids, you don't have to keep doing lessons. <laughs> And that's what I did. <laughs> Kylie and I were instantly tight. She was then and still is one of the purest, kindest souls I have ever met. I recently found a book of five-year-old Kylie quotes I had written down. Quote one, you know little people know more than big people. <laughs> Quote two, can you feel the happiness swirling through your brain? <laughs> Quote three, I love you more than frozen. My mum never liked camping, so I joined Kylie and her brother and two mums at Rainbow Babies Camping each year, where I became surrogate sister to all the kids. I even had the quintessential big sister experience when one year I met a teenage boy from one of the nearby caravans, and as we went on a cripplingly awkward beach walk one night, we heard a chorus of giggles and turned to see a huddle of my little siblings following along behind us. <laughs> When Kylie's mum separated, I started picking her up from school once a week. We'd go to the park, and whilst I pushed her on the swing, I'd gently ask how she was feeling. Quote four, sometimes I have to save my cries up for later. When neither of her mums could make it to the Mother's Day breakfast, Kathy texted asking if I could. When she was nervous about starting the OC program, I went over and chatted to her about it. I've been to almost every single one of her birthday parties, including last year, which was a slumber party with me and eight 10-year-old girls squealing about a boy band. <laughs> I hope she'll still invite me when she's a teenager and call me if she needs and one day be that person for my children. And she's not the only one. 
I have Gaby siblings of all ages in all places. Rory, Tessa, Sammy, Josh, Erin, Asha, India, Miller, baby Bowie, big sister Maya. There's a special understanding that seems to sit between same-sex parents and Gabies, and an even more special bond between Gabies themselves. So, whilst having lesbian mothers might have been part of the reason I didn't end up with an accidental sister, being queer-spawn has given me intentional siblinghood with hundreds of Gabies everywhere. Quote five, I love you, you are a blossom. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. Follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram, and please consider ordering a copy of the Queer Stories book, a collection of the tales that I edited with beautiful stories by incredible writers such as Nayuka Gori, Benjamin Law, Candy Bowers, Candy Royale, Simon Hunt, Liz Duck Chong, and Rebecca Shaw. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.